everybody, Brian Beeler here, and welcome to the Storage View Podcast. Today we're getting way ahead of the curve. We've done, I think, three or four podcasts in the last six months on PCIe Gen 5 and what that gets us and, and the storage that's coming and the interconnects and all the benefits of Gen 5. And wouldn't you know it, PCI 6 has already been ratified and is out there. Now, it's not out there in a consumable way just yet, but we can talk about the uh, logistics of what PCIe Gen 6 is. And, uh, and we've got a very special guest, the guy that knows probably more than anybody else about this thing, Al Giannis with IBM. Al, thanks for uh, coming in with us today. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. I, I could feel you probably cringing as I called it Gen 6 the whole time because I know you guys like to be real formal at, at the PCIe SIG. So uh, are you okay with Gen 6 or would you really prefer it be called PCI 6? We, we uh, say PCIe 6.0. Okay. So don't call it Gen 6? Uh, you know, we, we won't kill you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know what it is, but like in, in our world, at least on the publishing side, you, know, you guys deal with the technicals, then we get these things in and, you know, it's a Gen 4 SSD, it's a Gen 5 SSD, whatever. It just seems, for whatever reason, easier to communicate it that way. Yeah, it's no, it's no big deal. Yeah. So you've been with IBM for almost forever and you've been working with the PCIe SIG for a long time. What's what's going on there? What what do you like about either one of those things? Or give us a little bit more background, too, on, on your your uh, interest in this in this field? Well, uh, really start with PCI. Um, so we're, we're going to have our, what is it, our 30th anniversary this year. Um, so PCIe, uh, PCI started in 1992 or thereabouts. Mm. And I started working on PCI and, you know, then PCIe came along. So from an I.O. perspective, which is where I've been focusing on most of my, my time at IBM, um, PCI and, P and then the subsequent PCIe has been the I.O. bus standard you know, that everyone uses. So it's been, um, it's been a great experience uh, being part of the, the, the technical and then now I'm part of the board and mostly focusing on you know, doing the, my role as president and chairman of the board. Well, take us through some of those early days because that that had to have been pretty wild back then. I mean, it's funny we we think about SSDs today and how many vendors there are and that sort of thing. But back in the old days, there were that many hard drive guys running around. I mean, technology was way different in the. You know, I sound like an old guy, not that long ago, um, kind of world. But just what did things look like in the early '90s when when you were getting involved in this? Well, there wasn't a standard, right? So that's why PCI was uh, such a, a play because everybody did their own proprietary interfaces. Um, we had the AGP for the graphics, and we had PCI eventually for the I/O, and everybody slowly mi uh, migrated to PCI. Um, right, we started with 32-bit, 30 megahertz, and and here we are, right, running 128 gigabytes per second in one direction, 256 gigabytes of total bandwidth with our recent announcement. So yeah, it's a it's a sign of our what we've accomplished as an organization, but also what the industry has um, sort of evolved through. We got some charts that show that uh, the I/O bandwidth has doubled uh, from it for the over the last 30 years, uh, almost uh, every three years. So almost like a rule of thumb. 
So yeah, there's been some times like between PCIe 4.0 and 5.0 where it took us about seven years, but the cadence has been like a doubling of IO bandwidth uh, every three years for the last you know 30 or so years. So great for our, the, our members and great for our work group and what we've accomplished. And you know, people come into the work group, people leave the work group, but the, the organization has been you know steady and and doing very well. Recently, we hit uh, 900 member companies, uh, which is our uh, one of our highs for the last 12 years. So, you know, things are, are really looking really looking good for our organization. So, speaking of the organization, how do you work with other standards groups? I mean, NVMe would be an obvious uh, sure good fit for PCIe. I mean, it's the storage interface du jour, right? So, how how does that work amongst the groups? Um, the, we usually have some uh, the, uh, joint uh, disclosure agreements where you know we establish a you know uh, exchange of information or joint uh, you know publications or joint publicity or you know touting each other's technologies. But uh, a lot of the folks in in the NVMe, for example, versus PCIe are, are similar, or the companies are similar. Mm-hmm. So we're all in it together to you know to have a successful product so there's a lot of good um, exchange of information with between members that are in in both organizations so if they need something you know through the members uh, the, the common members you know that information gets propagated to to our work groups okay well you, you talked a little bit about your calendar of roughly doubling every three years and it's interesting I think as we look at the end shipping product, whether it's a PC or a server or whatever it is that uses the the standard, it seemed to be that the gap from Gen 3 to 4 took some period of time that didn't feel long. It was just time, right? It was a reasonable period of time. But from 4 to 5 has been almost overnight in terms of the acceptance and, and growth. I mean, on the client side, the boards have had the last generation boards have had PCIe uh, 5 lanes built in. We've got now Alder Lake CPUs that will support that and, and pump out a limited amount of of, uh, uh, of Gen 5 across the board. Uh, the server guys will be a little bit you know, behind that uh, or different in their adoption of it. But we saw uh, Samsung's got SSDs now that, uh, that we've been able to do some light testing on that are PCIe Gen 5. So... It feels like the the consumable version of what you guys are doing on the standards uh, side of it has been pretty quick from four to five, despite there being maybe a little bit longer lag in the in the spec. How do you how do you sort of reconcile that? What happens on the spec, and then what eventually ends up shipping either to consumers or the enterprise? Yeah, I mean, you make a good point, right? Um, there was a lag, and so now it's kind of like uh, it all averages out, if you will. Um, our rule of thumb, Brian, has been 12 to 18 months after the specification is released that you know we'll, we'll see products. Um, so I think that rule of thumb will, will continue. There's going to be folks that are going to demo early and you know show their uh, their ability to do 6.0 uh, rates. But uh, in general, the rule of thumb has been 12 to 18 months. But you know we're in standards organization, so that's a, a business decision. Each company will will go through the return on investment. Of adopting a new a new technology because obviously PCIe 6.0 uh, won't be for everybody. 
Um, there's some cosplays where if you had a, a by four uh, PCIe 4.0 solution, you can get the same data rate with a by one PCIe 6.0. So there's some uh, opportunities for costs, but the primary um, usage would be you know higher bandwidth, obviously with a PCIe 6.0. But you know you, you you need to have better motherboard technology. You know there's there's costs associated with the with the higher bandwidth. So not everybody's going to migrate to it immediately, and not everybody's going to see the the business opportunity there. But uh, hopefully we're anticipating a lot of the uh, FPGA accelerators, uh, eventually storage, um, the HPC market. So there's going to be a lot of folks that, uh, the 800 gigabit Ethernet. So there's going to be a lot of uh, folks moving or needing that higher bandwidth. And from a Sanders organization, we always want to be ahead of the curve, ahead of what the industry needs. So our members can plan their, their roadmaps, can plan their product intercept cycles, and, and so forth. So yeah, we're excited about uh, this recent announcement because it really took two and a half years from PCIe 5.0 to get to PCIe 6.0. So it's a it's a good uh, cadence that we're on. So t- talk a little bit about what that means. So as we go from three to four now, and when we think about SSDs, for instance, let's just work there because that's where, where we're really familiar. Basically, a, bu- a doubling of bandwidth and now things that were 3,500 megabytes a second or whatever are now close to 7,000 on reads and and really fast and now we're seeing uh, 14 gigabytes per second out of uh, these Samsung SSDs that are Gen 5 in, in straight read. So again, another progressive doubling. And to your point of yes, but not for everyone. A thin and light value PC probably doesn't need a bunch of Gen 5 or 6 lanes in it Perfect. because it just won't make sense from the investment standpoint. Uh, HPC though, obviously, a big jump, uh, maybe high-end workstation, professionals, gamers, maybe something there. Uh, a lot of potential, but now it's introducing some design decisions where it doesn't seem like that was necessarily the case from two to three and three to four, or am I just ignoring the past history? Well, it, it, you're right. And uh, we have another uh, cute chart that we listed the, the 30 permutations, right? Because we got six different uh, speed options and we have five different sort of width or feeds is what I call them options because we have by one, by two, by four, by eight, and by 16. So we have 30 different uh, permutations that end up being 10 unique bandwidth uh, profiles. And uh, it gives everybody some options. Let's say some of the storage folks um, want to only run by one because it reduces their routing, because it reduces their cost, or reduces their cabling. So PCIe 6.0 will allow you to go by one and still double your bandwidth if you were in a by, uh, you know PCIe 4.0 solution. Um, so just a lot of different uh, options that you have now. Um, so it, it's up to the members to decide and with the business opportunity of where they want to where they want to be. Um, but yeah, we got 30, we got five more options. Right, and we used to have 25 with the PCIe 5.0, so it's it's pretty cool. They're all backward compatible, so our recipe of success has always been backward compatibility. So you can plug in a PCIe 5.0 add-in card to a PCIe 6.0 motherboard, and it would work. And, and vice versa, you can plug in 
a PCIe 6.0 adding card into a PCIe 5.0 motherboard, and it'll be compatible. <clears throat> so these uh, mix and mix and match of different bandwidth profiles um, just gives everybody an opportunity to what's what do you need, and you know when do you when do you want it. So um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, so talk a little bit about the implications for server design then. You started to hit on lanes for storage, and that's something that, I mean, you've got Intel boxes, AMD, ARM, whoever. You, they all have this uh, issue with either lane affinity to the CPUs, which is something that's that's become more interesting as things have gotten faster. There's where do you send the lanes? Do you send them all to the front for SSDs? And if you do that, what happens to your backend connectivity? Um, you call them businesses decisions, and really, yeah, that's accurate. But there's a lot of design decisions that go into this. Uh, in the current designs, what does Gen Six do that's fundamentally different? Uh, I guess how how do we think about aside from speed and and some new five new profiles? What else comes to the table? What can come to the table from system design standpoint? Yeah, um, we've added some power friendly um, because everybody's always interested in, in reducing their power. So we have some more capabilities on, on the power side where if you're not using all the lanes, let's say you have a by eight solution and you and we don't need all the at certain points in time, you don't need all the bandwidth of, of a by eight. You can sort of run this uh, mode where you um, dictate how much power you can consume for that link. Hmm. So there's some more power-friendly um, options. So the protocol layer has always, you know, sort of evolved based on everybody's uh, needs. So, you know, that's all that's all in place. But for PCIe 6.0, some of the uh, sort of the infrastructure that was put in place was we went from an N we changed from NRZ to PAM4. So our signaling now is a PAM4 signaling. So this is a capability that's been out in the industry, and so we've leveraged what the what some of the industry uh, previous uh, serial, serial and deserializers designs have been, which is PAM4. So early on, we made a decision to go to PAM4 instead of NRZ. So that's a little bit of a change from uh, from what we've done previously, which was all the previous generations were NRZ on, on the PCIe. We've also went to a, a, a FLIT mode, which is a flow control unit, which is we always send now 256 bytes of data. And what that allows to do is we're a little bit more efficient on the encoding, because we, we so we switched from the 128-bit, 130-bit encoding that we um, introduced in PCIe 3.0. Mm -hmm. So that's another change that uh, we've seen as an advantage. And then with PAN4, there's this thing about forward error corrector code where you want to make sure that you have a, a fast enough latency. So we've come up with a, a three-way forward error corrector code that improves our latency through the, the PAM4 signaling. So that helps us with our, our latency. And then for the bit error rate, uh, which was also another challenge, we went to a 32-byte CRC to make sure that we detect any um, bit error rate uh, fails. And we leveraged our replay buffer to uh, allowed us to maintain our, our the required high air higher high bit error rate that uh, the spec uh, sort of expects and demands. Interesting. So, does that do anything from an efficiency standpoint for 
applications or storage or, or even GPUs or FPGAs in terms of how they want to interact with each other or how the application wants to interact in terms of things like block size? Does anything change there or matter in the new spec? Well, it, it was just it just made things a lot easier um, for us and made things a little bit more efficient to always do a fixed packet. So depending on your workload, there's going to be uh, some pluses or minuses. So it, it really depends on you know how big of the data and how much data you're you're sending. So typically the the higher uh, packets will will be more efficient versus the the smaller packets because of the fixed 256 byte of data that we're always transmitting. We're always transmitting 236 bytes of payload and then um, 20 bytes of the the extra uh, information of uh, the header information, if you will. So does that mean that applications or or the end devices themselves will need to be more efficient to coalesce their, yeah, their requests? Yeah, the, 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 the core, the PCIe core now, you know, you got to support the old mode, the legacy mode, and you have to support the, the new mode. So yeah, the, we're, we're keeping these uh, PCIe, PCI Express core designers fully busy because it, it's, it's, it is a bit of a, of a challenge to support the different, you know, the different uh, differences now associated with PCIe 6.0. So with every generation, you mentioned some of the opportunities that are there from a performance standpoint. You talked about uh, uh, interconnect and a little bit about storage. Let's get some of the hero numbers out there. What does this let you do from interconnect and what does it let you do in terms of what you think uh, you know, max transfer rates are or something else that, that people can get excited about from a practical standpoint? Well, you kind of uh, hinted at it, Brian. It's, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty simple engineers. We just doubled everything. So, <laughs> so you, you know, just write times two in the coding that you're yeah, done? Yeah, I mean, you said it was, uh, what, what were some of the numbers you were saying, 14 mm -hmm. uh, gigabytes? So 14, and your number was 14, well, now you can uh, go to 28. Um, so whatever you had before on 5.0, um, you, you, you're essentially going to be able to double. So you can never say, well, the PCI Express is not fast enough, right? If, if you're in the, in the storage business, because we're, we're plenty fast. Um, and if you were already in a PCIe 4.0 solution and you want to leapfrog from 5.0 to 6.0, you can quadruple. So yeah, from four to six, right? Yeah, from four to six. So it's. You know, if you haven't made the jump to 5.0 and you got a 4.0 solution, you can theoretically quadruple. So it puts us in a good spot, right? Because we never want to be the bottleneck. You never want to hear somebody doing in, in the lab doing their performance analysis, oh, the PCI Express is not fast enough. Oh, if the, only the PCI Express was fast enough, you know, right. I, would get, I would hit my bandwidth numbers. Well, you're only getting that on like large block reads anyway from a storage perspective, which isn't a super common workload, but it is the hero workload yes. to be able to prove that you can max the interface, right? Yeah. And um, so you, you're going to definitely, um, you, can, you, can do, you can do all your hero, as you call it, hero bandwidth numbers now uh, with 6.0 because you can theoretically prove that your infrastructure can support 28 gig or, you know, whatever the number is. Yeah, from so, a from a by sixteen solution, the one that we tout, which is the right. by sixteen, um, we have with 6.0, 256 gigabytes per second. PCI Express, as you know, is full duplex, so we can send 128 gigabytes per second 
and receive 128 gigabytes per second. So we we just give you the total number in our chart and, and say it's 256 gigabytes per second of total bandwidth with a PCIe 6.0 by 16 solution. I mean, just the the backend I.O. that that'll enable for servers may cause some interesting uh, design decisions too, right? Because now that, uh, you know, when we think about some of these high-performance storage solutions, whether it's an array or it's some NVMe over fabrics thing or whatever, then we've got to kind of multiply out how many ports does that need and how many client systems do we need to be able to maximize that storage. And a lot of that's, you know, even on a 100 or 200 gig card, I mean, there's just still some math that takes place there. So what can your thing do? And then how many systems do you need to drive that that total bandwidth? With that kind of I.O., although if storage gets faster, it'll be an interesting balancing act to see yeah, what I, that means. Um, and there's the poor counts. You know, sometimes, you know, the uh, the CPU will have a, a limited amount of ports, obviously, right? There's everybody, there's not infinite amount of physical wires. So you can always go... Um, you maintain your your by eight link, and now if you doubled it, and you can go to a switch, and then you can go, you know, and attach some of the lower bandwidth, um, you know, a lot of by ones or by two solutions to that by eight. So it just gives you a lot of flexibility, and it allows folks that are um, I/O bound or you know number of I/O pins bound, gives you you know the ability to you know still potentially hit your bandwidth numbers with your limited number of IOs because now you can go twice as fast. So to the extent that you can, I mean, your spec is one thing, but then there's CPU design, motherboard design, then peripherals to support the thing. So forgetting storage and, and, and cards for the moment, because they'll go all, they'll figure that out probably more quickly because they're least reliant perhaps on some of these other design decisions. From let's talk about CPUs. What what do Intel, AMD, ARM, uh, Apple, whoever else? What do they have to do to be able to support PCIe uh, six spec? What what fundamentally changes for them? Well, uh, the biggest changes uh, are the FIs, right? Because those are the ones that are going to see the differences between NRZ and PAM four. So the analog portion and the the uh, the electrical portion of these high speed protocols now has become really the 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 key element to enablement, where you know you can handle the different bandwidths because you still got to support the legacy uh, frequencies. You're going to have a short uh, card, you know, short route uh, or a long route. You know, the channel is going to be uh, a range of different channels you know, your equalization parameters, the, that sophistication is is key, right? The ability to, especially in our protocol, to run the different speeds in the different generations, and now PAM4 versus NRZ, it's, it's uh, very complicated. And that's why there's, you know, only several folks that do, you know, phi designs in the industry now. And um, they're very good at it, and um, that's the key, that's the key in my mind of making sure that uh, you're compatible with all the different uh, uh, the range of channels and range of um, specifications. 
Yeah, that's interesting. And then the, on the motherboard side, it's more just the physical layout of yep. of how this comes together, right? Physical layout, the, what kind of motherboard technology you're going to use because the Megtron and what kind of Megtron, um, you know, how you're going to do your routing. The connectors are more sophisticated. The connector um, technology has evolved very, very well over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. We used to say, oh, if you go on a cable, that's going to make it worse. Well, now sometimes the cable has better loss material than, than the motherboard. And some cable solutions can go faster than, than you know, motherboard technologies. So, you know, it's, it's interesting decisions. And you sort of got to know what you're doing to be able to, um, to achieve these high bandwidth. You, you, you have to be precise. Huh. Well, that'll be interesting to see if there's a... Um... Uh, a little, a little bit of a spread between you know who does it really well and gets full performance, and who's just not quite there in terms of overall system design. You know, just uh, uh, just yesterday we had our uh, one of our compliance uh, data gathered. Excuse me, last week some of our compliance because that's another recipe of our success. Brian is our compliance workshops where we facilitate our members for free to come and plug and play. And, and run their motherboard or adding card solutions to a de facto standard to, to make sure that everybody's developing everything you know correctly and we have you know everybody pointing pointing in the right direction. So just last week they had their 5.0 solution uh, or 5.0 ga data gathering to hopefully enable our 5.0 integrators list uh, uh, later this year. So one of our successes is also this, you know, compliance events that we hold throughout the throughout the years. Um, coronavirus has impacted a little bit of some of that. We had to do some virtual events, but the, the team has been able to figure out even how to do virtual events where you send your cards. But uh, that's another part of our recipe of success is this um, constant monitoring of, you know, of compliance events and workshops to facilitate that everybody's you know, doing it, designing it correctly. Yeah. Well, you know, it certainly helps to, to have those progressive checkpoints, right? Where, yeah. where, uh, what do you call them? Plug fest, or I know that's the exactly. terminology in some of the that's, other that things. That is right? the good that's the, that's the <laughs> terminology, plug fest. So with this move to, um, to the 6.0 spec and the faster performance of, available through the, the whole ecosystem, one of the things that we're hearing concerns about is heat. So these things are faster, more more power. Uh, some of these these multi lane cards are are talking about sucking down uh, like an E three S SSD four lanes seventy watts at the front of this thing times twenty four across the front. I mean that's a tremendous yeah. amount of heat to dissipate. You you uh, sort of glanced on connectors before, and I want to kind of revisit that as part of this heat conversation because so much heat gets gets uh, expressed through that that connection point what do you think about that in general is that within the bounds of 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 your working group to figure out is that not like how far do you you go down that road yeah that's a good question and, and yeah power and heat is always a important element um it's something that we try to do better at and like i mentioned that we have the sort of more power friendly uh options with 6.0 where you can sort of target a lower power so you don't have to use all the lanes. Mm -hmm. The one thing that we've noticed is less lanes. So let's say you have a by 4 4.0 solution 
and you compare that with a by two five five zero solution, both running the same data, so both running the same data rate. Traditionally, the by two will run better power wise because it has less, uh, you know, the physical lanes, even though they're running faster. So hopefully, the six point zero solutions will facilitate some more of that, or maybe you have uh, the same. Uh, link or you know half the half the the width to achieve your bandwidth and consequently you know help with your power. But the laws of physics the laws of physics are the laws of physics, and there's only so much we can do. Um, but I know it's a challenge, and you know we're open to to new ideas. And you know one of the things we came up with um, when we got into the handheld space, right? Because PCI Express was never um, and then originally power friendly was we came, we came up with the um, uh, L, L0S or the standby power mode. Mm-hmm. And uh, that allowed us to completely go uh, idle on, our, on, the, on the interface. And consequently, this allowed us to you know, go to zero power usage when we didn't need to. So we do have some options for you know, power friendly. Uh, but sometimes they they require a wake or you know you have to wake up the the, the device and and so forth. But uh, those options are there to to be more power friendly. But yeah, the, we're open to suggestions and and ideas on on anything we can do to to be more power friendly. Well, it seems like liquid cooling might come help save part of the day. <laughs> I've at seen least some in, of those. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we were just at at Supercompute in uh, in St. Louis. You know two or three months ago now. And if you weren't looking at a water-cooled booth of some sort every other time, I mean, I, I don't know how. It was either connectors or, or um, tubing or complete systems. And this ranges from everything from um, high-end workstation or, or gaming rigs, where water cooling is very common, especially for the CPUs, and now even DRAM and GPUs. Uh, but all the HPC systems, I mean, Lenovo was showing some amazing stuff, Supermicro, uh, all of these solutions where they're trying to get the heat off the CPUs, but it may not, and, and the GPUs for sure, but it may not be long till the system design is just chunk a, a heat sink on everything and run it through an internal loop and, and be gone with it. I don't know if that'll solve all the problems, but that's part of it, right? Or probably. That's, that liquid cool, cooling technology is just amazing. Yeah, the uh, the this these HPC system designs that uh, you know I keep coming back to Lenovo because I, I think they're just doing such a great job. There are absolutely amazing. Um, a lot of copper in there, but I mean it's just uh, super efficient. And I think the HPC guys will be the first to adopt any new technology that helps them achieve their their research mission or, or whatever it is. Sure. Uh, but the enterprise has been a little bit more afraid of the notion of water in the data center. <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a coffee in the data center with Kevin the other day, and I spilled it a little bit. We both kind of looked at each other <laughs> to, to decide. Yeah, I've ruined any, the laptop in the past. If, yeah, if any, da- <laughs> yeah, if any damage was done, uh, thankfully uh, none. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's going to be the next thing to help deal with some of these these thermal challenges. When I mentioned connectors, Brian, one other thing I would uh, I want to mention is uh, PCI Express cables. Uh, we've put created a new initiative now to try to come up with some a standard 
PCI Express cable to support the higher bandwidth, the 5.0 and the 6.0 solutions. So we have formed a, a sort of a new work group and a new initiative uh, to target the PCI Express cables because uh, we want to make sure that they're robust enough um, and sturdy enough to, to support the 5.0 and 6.0 solutions. And we can come up with something that maybe, because there's a lot of different solutions out in the industry, it's something that we can maybe try to standardize and get some uh, some adoption over. Are there any new length challenges or quality challenges specific to uh, yeah. the, the six spec? Of course, of course, it's just harder and harder. Um, you know, it's like <laughs> what's I, the servers going to have to get shorter? Well, uh, retimers or the Mectron technologies. Um, it, it, there's just you, you gotta you gotta know what you're doing. You have to be. I like the word I use, precise. You, you have to understand the technology. And we're, we're, you're going to use a retimer, and you're going to go long, or you're going to use a, a Megtron technology, which kind of Megtron technology. Um, well, so, talk about that a little bit, because we've seen retimers in, especially in heavy NVMe systems. We just looked at a super micro one. Um, but that's another trade-off, because you're going to give, in that case, you're giving up PCIe slots to run more cabling to the front to sure. those NVMe, NVMe bays. but. Uh, so we understand that that part of the world, but w talk about some of the other options or, or design considerations there. Uh, uh, yeah, so the, the, the timers, the retimers, switches, right? Because some folks use switches. Um, and switches can sometimes act like a retimer in a sense. You can go to shorter distance and, you know, you can come with a big fat pipe and come out with little pipes. Um, the motherboard technology and whether or not you use cables. Um, and obviously the connectors, it has to be either the some of the connectors that we've um, established for 6.0 or, you know, you need to know what you're doing or you need to go and use some of the sophisticated cables, um, hopefully with some of ours that we've, uh, we're going to standardize for 5.0 and 6.0. So I think those are some of the, the decision making is the length, obviously, the channel. The, the Megtron technology, the motherboard technology, the connector or cable. Um, so, the, you know, those are the, some, of your, some of your decisions that you have to make or the retimer switch trade-offs. So what, what else um, are, are you guys excited about? We talked about storage and interconnect. Uh, uh, yeah, the other thing I would mention, sorry, Brian. Uh, yeah, one of the ahead. other things that we're excited about is automotive. Okay, that's, we, that's surprising. Why is that? Yeah. Well, we've seen an opportunity uh, late last year, uh, early last year, to get into more into the automotive space. And I mentioned that 900 member companies as part of our org, and a lot of the new member companies are automotive. Hmm. We've established an automotive work group. So we're, we believe there's an opportunity, just like we had on the handheld space, uh, to get more adoption and proliferate PCI Express technology in the automotive space. There's a need for speed. There's a need for bandwidth, you know, high data, data um, compute uh, because of the instant sensors and, you know, the real-time processing that the automotive uh, industry has uh, built with the new safety sensors. So we see that as a, as a, a huge opportunity for us and we're investigating what we can do to the technology to make it more automotive friendly and establish ourselves, you know, uh, and increase our member, uh, increase our adoption in the automotive space. So yeah, we see we, that as a, an opportunity for us. 
Yeah, you've got a lot going on there, right? Because you've got all the sensors in the car and not just you know for the high-end use cases like autonomous driving where it's probably uh, exponentially more. Um, but you've got all the, the basic sensors in the car, the cameras now, the rendering, the, uh, the top view of your car on the screen as you're moving yeah. around. I mean, all sorts of things. And then I suppose, depending on the car brand, there's a certain level of data transmission that, that goes back and forth, but that's Correct. over 5G. And while that's great, you still want to be economical with the, the data you pass. Do you think we'll see things like more analytics in the cars that, and need more of that high-speed communication? Or well, what, what's I, really driving that? Yeah, I just think the, the sensors and the ability to communicate faster and, and you know, whether it's cables and the standardization so we feel like we can, you know, establish uh, and become more of the standard usage model because we run through cables. We have this huge infrastructure of, of, of I mentioned, you know, 30 years. Um, so, you know, we think we can, you know, make, a, make inroads there. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. I was going to ask you a little bit about mobile, too. I know you've mentioned that a couple of times. What, yeah. What's the latest there? Well, you know, I don't have the, you can, all I know is that a lot of the handheld space is using PCI Express. And what happened there historically, because we weren't part of that, I mentioned we got into the um, being better power friendly. But the other opportunity for us was the fact that the current technology wasn't fast enough. So they needed to change the current technology to run as faster or they can run our technology at sort of a buy one PCIe 1.0 solution, which was fast enough for them. Um, I think that's uh, 500 megabytes per second. So the need for speed enabled us, uh, gave us an opportunity, and we just needed to be more power friendly in the work group, which is, you know, a great, great set of folks there came up with the solutions that allowed uh, PCI Express to be more power friendly for the, the handheld space. Well, I mean, power friendly throughout has been a pretty consistent uh, message in this conversation. And that's something that we're hearing, too. I mean, we run an open air uh, data center here in Cincinnati, which is great this time of the year when it's you know 19 degrees outside, but less great in August when it's um, humid and 90 something. And, um, you know, it's not ideal, but we do get concerned about the the power consumption and less power, less heat, better operations and in these data centers and as we look at things like edge iot or all these other edge analytics use cases where where there's so much more happening in these boxes uh, to optimize data footprint to do and more analytics at the edge so there's not so much data pushed over the wire you know the, the heat and energy consumption i you know, we've talked about it a couple times is going to be pretty important so anything you can do there from a flexibility to to be more efficient, but also let system designers use your lanes in the most efficient way, I think is pretty strong. Yeah, like I mentioned, we, we have made some um, more changes in the 6.0, and the, you do have the option to to go less lanes with the higher speed. Yeah. So maybe you know that will address some of the some of the concerns. But yeah, there's there's only so much you know we can do. Or now we're you know running. 64 gig per second so it's it's you know it's fast so with with this flexibility when we saw the move from gen 3 to 4 and i'm talking both server and client space 
it was relatively smooth, a little bumpy at first because we had some split lane scenarios. Um, but then pretty quickly everything was four and just every slot was a four slot. And then and now moving on to five, on the client side, we're seeing a little bit of, of diversion there where uh, like on these uh, Z690 boards where there'll be you know, one M.2 gets two lanes and two PCIe slots get four or something, right? Where there's sure. some derivation. And you've got to consult the manual to see, okay, you know, which, where is the, where are the lanes? Do I have the right thing to go with this? I'm not sure what it's going to look like yet on the server side, but do, I worry a little bit about that if we, if we start up with a bunch of split lane scenarios with four to five or five to six. Do you worry about that at all from a branding standpoint? You know, I'm not worried about it because we're in the standard um, business, but, um, you know, not everybody's going to need the 6.0 speed. So, you know, maybe you have only a couple of the slots and it, like I said, it's going to retire. It's going to require some cost associated with the motherboard technology. So, you know, maybe it does make sense to have, you know, one, one high speed 6.0 solution and, you know, some 5.0 and, you know, a couple of 4.0. It, it depends, but I can see it being a mixture because, you know, you, you want to get a return on investment. So, but if you're not going to get a return on investment, does you, do you really want to, you know, have that cost associated with it? But uh, 6.0 is not free. Um, like, like I said, you have to be precise and you, and you have to, you know, make the, the investment in the, in the technology that you're going to use or, your design point, whether you need a retimer, where you didn't necessarily in the past need a retimer. So it's up to it's up to the member companies to make that decision. Um, but yeah, nothing's free. So is this increased precision requirement in six something that's going to be iterative each time? That as yeah. we go to seven, eight, nine, ten, that it keeps getting harder. Sure. This this was not easy. Well, we what we've accomplished, Brian, is is a huge. You know, I, I can't, you know, short sell it. It's two and a half, and not only did we achieve 6.0, but we achieved it two and a half years after 5.0. Mm -hmm. So the timing was was pretty awesome. Um, it's it's quite the accomplishment um, to be able to pull this off and, and have all the the legacy and, you know, and the, the flow control unit that, they, that the work group came up with, um, PAM4. Um, it was a sort of revolutionary um, step in, in our in our history. So when will you start Gen Seven? Will you uh, gather some data from these plug fests and and let let these guys get get out there a little bit, or have you already got? Yeah, with that? We'll, we'll probably rest for for a couple of weeks, and um, <laughs> you know, um, always want to be ahead of the curve. So it, it's never too early to start looking at at the future, and and it'll give everybody some some visibility. On, on choices and, and and whatnot so maybe by by june we can you know we have some clarity so is there is there any threat to the to the pcie group is there some other technology that may ultimately supplant what you're doing here i don't think so um do you do you think there is or <laughs> I'm sleeping well, so I wasn't sure. You're you're waist deep in this thing. I you know I just I like to consume the tech and, and put it to work. No. You're no. you're probably I mean you said 12 to 18 months. I mean really you're about two and a half years ahead in terms of defining the spec to us seeing shipping products. So you yeah. know you you would know better. I'm just curious no. how many how many we're, we're more well. generations well. you have. 
uh, we have the high membership. Um, our our revenue from an organization is all time high. We just released 6.0 in two and a half years. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of folks were when we had the announcements two and a half years ago. A lot of folks were were a little bit more uh, apprehensive or you know not sure that we could pull it off. So no, we're we're, we're doing well and and you know sleep and sleeping well. <laughs> well, good. Well, I'll look you up in another two and a half years. We yeah. can talk about Gen Seven. Well, maybe we'll, maybe we'll have an announcement in June, or you know we'll give you an update as 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 they come along. Yeah, and in the show notes we'll link to that infographic. I think that's a neat little visual for people to check out. Yeah. Uh, where else can people go if they want to learn more about what you guys are doing? Well, we have these great YouTube videos on PCI 6.0. Uh, Brian, okay. if you just Google 6.0 on, on on YouTube, they're free. They go into a little bit more level technical de level of details on, on some of the things that the work group came up with. So, yeah, I welcome anybody who wants more information or more technical information. They're out there. All right. I uh, will link to those and and for all those systems designers and application guys. I mean, they're so hungry for what what five is going to bring. Just the thought of what six can effectively double up on is uh, is pretty amazing. And by the time you get your PS, uh, what are we on five six? Maybe PS seven will have uh, uh, Gen six SSDs in it, and that thing will load your your uh, I don't know Call of Duty three thousand that much faster. <laughs> so you'll be off and running. Well, this is great, Al. Thanks for taking the time and, and giving us the update on uh, on what you guys have been up to over at PCIe. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much, Brian.